Welcome to Torah Dimecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Danielle Bloom, and today we will be studying Parsha Svaera. I would like to begin with an overview of the Parsha and then explore a fascinating aspect of the negotiation between Moshe and Paro that unfolds before our eyes, one which I believe will alter the way we view the entire Exodus narrative. First, the overview. The Parsha begins with God responding to Moshe's cry of protest at the end of last week's Sedra. Moshe's first act for the sake of the Israelite people has made things worse for them. They are to produce the same number of bricks, and in addition, they need to find the straw for raw material on their own, because under Paro's new decree, it will no longer be given to them. God reassures Moshe using the famous expressions of redemption, I will take you out and I will save you and I will redeem you and I will take you to me for a people and I will bring you to the promised land. And then in Rabbi Sachs's words, the Torah is preparing the ground for one of its most monumental propositions. It is in the darkest night that Israel has its greatest visions. Hope is born at the very edge of the abyss of despair. In Va'era, the story of the Exodus begins in earnest with an unprecedented series of divine interventions into history. Time and again, plagues hit the Egyptians. This parsha contains seven of the ten plagues, and Moses repeatedly asks Paro to release the people. Paro refuses. An immense drama is taking place. All the power of imperial Egypt is powerless against the God of creation and redemption. Rabbi Menachem Liebtag asks, if we are understanding the story, the basic plot of the Exodus correctly, he writes that most of us tend to think of the standard story of Yitziat Mitzrayim, meaning the one that you might see in the movie version in the following way. Moshe confronts Paro and tells him, to let the Israelites go, to serve their God, to go to the promised land. Paro says no. God sends plagues until finally Paro relents and lets the Jews go. Is this correct? Probably not. Let's look at the mysterious last Pasuk, the last verse of last week's Parsha. Vayomer Hashem el Moshe, Ata tir'eh asher e'esel Paro, ki biyar God tells Moshe, you will see what I will do to Paro. With a strong hand, whose strong hand? He will send them out. Paro's strong hand. And with a strong hand, he will expel them. God needs Paro to kick us out. And if you know Jewish history, this is not even a novelty. Had Paro just given us permission to leave? How many people would have left? We need to be kicked out with the Yad Chazaka. God says, you wait and see. He's going to expel you when I'm done. That is what is going to get us to leave. Before each of the ten Makos, Moshe asks permission for B'nai Israel to worship their God in the desert. Each and every time he requests, Shalach Arami v'yavduni b'amidbar. Let my people go so that they can worship me in the desert. And an interesting negotiation on the details begins to unfold. Paro seems to give in on some of the details, 
and then he backs out. Let's examine some examples to illustrate. After Makas Arov, Paro finally grants permission for the Israelites to go worship their God. But he says, you cannot do this in the desert. You must remain within the land of Egypt. He calls Moshe and Aaron in and says, you may worship your God in the land. And Moshe rejects this proposal. Then again, Paro says, okay, you can go a short journey into the desert, but not a three days distance into the desert, which Moshe rejects as well. Later, after Moshe has given the warning for the Maka of Arbe, locusts, Paro's servants confront him and actually demand that he concede to Moshe's request. The servants themselves are seeing that it is not making sense anymore. Their risk is too much. The entire empire of Egypt is on the line. In response to the servants, Paro begins to argue about who can leave to go worship. Miva miha holchim. Moshe insists that the women and children must come along. Paro is arguing that only the men should be allowed to leave. And then, after the ninth plague the, of Makas Choshech, there is another round of negotiations. This time, Paro is willing to grant permission to the women and children, but not the animals. And again, Moshe says that that will not work. He says, we need to take our animals because we have no idea what God will request of us until we arrive there. And then at the beginning of Parakir Aleph, God says that he will bring one more plague. And after that, Egypt will kick us out. God tells Moshe, after one more plague, he will surely send you out. He will expel you. Understand why the Egyptians will want to expel the Israelite people. Because they have already heard Moshe's demands and threats. They understand that the only way to stop the suffering is to let these people go, to get them out of here. They must go pray to their God. The Egyptians are going to be ready to give them anything to get the Jews out so that the plagues cease. The Egyptians want them out. They want the suffering to stop. The best support for this thesis can be found in the Psukim after Makas Bechoros. When Paro finally does grant B'nai Yisrael permission to leave. Paro says, you can go. As you have requested. Please also, he says, pray for me. Daven on my behalf. And then what happens? The Egyptians are the ones pressuring the people to leave. Because they say, if you don't go, we will all die. The Egyptians are the ones in the rush. They are the ones getting us out. And notice what happens. I think this Pasuk that I'm about to read is one that Many of us have encountered numerous times. But I think this might be a new way of looking at it. 
What happens with our food? We are busy baking bread. This is why we take the dough and run. We don't have time to bake our bread. Because the Egyptians are saying that there's no time. We were prepared to stay and bake bread. They're the ones saying, take your stuff and go. Take whatever you want from us and go. Don't sit around baking bread. Ramban, in Barashas Parak Yudbez, Genesis chapter 12, tells us that our version of this story in Shemos is actually the second telling of the same story. The first was with Avraham and Sarah. All of the elements can be found there that are found here. The famine that sent us down initially, the abuse that we suffered at the hands of the Egyptians, and the ultimate expulsion. Lo nafal davar mikol There is nothing that happened with the parents that is not repeated again with the children. The stories are identical. And the Ramban says, One story gave birth to the second. The Avram and Sarah story in Mitzrayim gave birth to the story of their children's suffering in Egypt centuries later. This thesis of what happens to the parents happens again to the children becomes one of the themes of Sefer Bracious and all of Torah in general. How are we supposed to understand that? Do we have free choice? Is everything predetermined by our parents? Rav Salvechik, in his book, Abraham's Journey, explains that the plot has been written in advance, but each generation will write its own version. In his words, certainly the experiences of the patriarchs foreshadowed the tragic as well as the redeeming events of posterity. Whatever happened to our forefathers was bound to transpire in the life of the nation. The patriarchs indeed spoke the language of premonitory and anticipatory signs. However, the events narrated by the Bible serve as signs or symbols of future events. Any sign or symbol is subject to interpretation, for the semantics of signs and of symbolic language is multiple. Signs can be interpreted in many ways. There is, of course, a message in every biblical scene and event, and this message is related to future scenes and events. Yet the freedom of the people of the Bible has not been curtailed because a message, like a sign, is subject to interpretation, and the latter is a many-faceted, heterogeneous affair. I find myself contemplating this often. The constant struggle that we experience as Jews living in a foreign country How many times in our history have we been expelled, kicked out, sent away? When we have the opportunity to go of our own volition, do we? Will we? Thank you for learning together with the OU Women's Initiative.